All right. Welcome, everyone, to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined this week, as always, by my co-host, Brian Wells. And in this week's episode, we'll start by reacting to NFL Week 3. We'll have a particular focus on our respective teams, the Patriots and the Steelers, who both lost this week to fall to 1-2. and two. We'll give our thoughts on the state of those teams, uh, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. And we'll also give uh, just some thoughts and reactions to some of the other action throughout the league this weekend. We'll, from there, talk about the Ryder Cup. As the Americans dominate Europe to reclaim the Ryder Cup, a 19-9 victory at Whistling Straits in Wisconsin. So we'll give all our thoughts on the U.S. big victory there before talking about Major League Baseball, the postseason push, the final week of the season is upon us. Our Red Sox just got swept by the Yankees and are now in the second wild card spot in a very competitive race in the American League. We'll talk about the NL West, the Dodgers, Giants going head to head, some of the other big division races as the league sets up for what should be another exciting October. Finally, in honor of Brian and I's upcoming trip to Las Vegas next weekend. We're going to count down our favorite films set in Las Vegas in this week's top five. So with that, let's get started. special episode this is a little bit of a milestone that we're celebrating here yeah 100th episode not 100 for me but probably for you though one 100th episode of he's done it yes i've been all on 100 uh you've probably been on about 80 of them so yeah that, that sounds right yeah yeah very very good uh fun accomplishment i don't know if we're gonna spend too much time focusing on the 100th but definitely wanted to point that out before getting into it um and uh, guess how we're celebrating? By going to Las, Las Vegas. Vegas. I booked us a hotel room, MGM Grand, this weekend. Uh, you still owe me for that, by the way. I know, yeah. I'll so. <laughs> obviously pay for that. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have a good time there. We're going to count down our top five favorite films set in Las Vegas and the show. But um, before that, we have plenty of sports talk, some baseball, some golf, and of course, some football to start the show. NFL week three. Um, two weeks ago, we talked about all 16 games. This week, we won't do that for a couple of reasons. One, there's more stuff to talk about. Two, we're recording this on Monday before the Monday night game between the Cowboys and the Eagles. So don't know what's going to happen in that one. I know I have a lot of fantasy interest in uh, that game across my three leagues. I'm sure that you do as well. So that'll be something yeah, to I'm, tune into I'm, later. I'm, I mean, in our league, I'm I'm up by a lot, and I still have Amari as well to go in that game. So, I mean, yeah, good start for me in our league, but I don't know. It'll probably be a matter of time before I lose. I'm uh, definitely rooting for CeeDee Lamb, Greg Zerline, and Miles Sanders tonight. I'm assuming he's not just in 
in our in our league, uh, CD and yeah, Zerline. I actually have two leagues where I have Lamb and Zerline combined. Wow. Yeah, so uh, definitely need them both to play well tonight or last night. By the time you listen to us, anyway, uh, no one cares about our fantasy team. Yeah, Let's I, talk yeah, about I, I was actually thinking the exact old, same thing. I mean, NFL it's cool to talk actually. about, but then I realized, <laughs> yeah, no one really gives a shit about our teams. Yeah, um, let's talk about our our real life teams that we have no control over yet i'm sure led to a lot of unhappiness on sunday and let's start with your patriots so you were actually at the game again how did uh you pull that off again uh because kenny is a pal yeah are you just gonna go to every game no uh i hope not because (laughs) they've been losing every single time i've gone (laughs) so uh i if the if the patriots if they win next week uh that that means i can't go to another game again because yeah, because if, if they lose to the, the two games that they just they lost to at home, and then all of a sudden they win this next weekend, then I probably couldn't go to another game again. You you want to know one thing that's really sad that yeah. I realized this past weekend? So I've been to two games this year at uh, home games this year, and of course Mac Jones started both of them. And before that, I only went to one other Patriots game. So that means I've been to more Mac Jones games. In just two starts, than in twenty years with Tom Brady uh, as the starting quarterback. I mean, yeah. I just don't. I just don't go to Patriots games. I yeah, I mean, they're they're expensive, and I I like watching football at home. But I, I'm never going to pass up Patriots that. tickets, though. Oh, for sure. And um, you know, one of these years, maybe Mac Jones will put up the kind of performance that uh, you'd been used to in the Brady years. But yesterday, he was. Given an opportunity to move the ball downfield through 51 passes, uh, ended up with 270 yards, a touchdown. He did throw three interceptions. So um, a lot of Patriots fans, seems like, are throwing out the name Cam Newton. Are you, uh, are you having any any feelings of regret about the the way that Jones has I don't, I don't, been propped in the I don't, place I don't, I don't blame people for saying that. They should have kept Newton, just given how these first few games have gone. I and I don't regret saying I'm glad it's Mac, but yeah, he hasn't. He's been fine, but yeah, yeah, he hasn't proven that. Maybe they should have kept Newton. Maybe he should have sat out for the first half of the season. It's always good to to sit out the rookies, rookie quarterbacks, uh, taking the first round or any round, but the first round guys that get talked up a lot. I mean, rookie quarterbacks this year have gone one in 10 to start out the year. And the one win was Mac Jones versus Jets facing a rookie yeah, quarterback. Rookie Zach Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. And Zach Wilson was not uh, in leading the huddle for the other side. Jameis Winston did not play amazing. It was kind of similar passing numbers um, as he did against the Packers minus the five touchdowns, but he did not turn the ball over. Well, Mac Jones, maybe not entirely on him, uh, particularly the one where it bounced off uh, Mac Jones and into the hands of Malcolm Jenkins. You mean you mean you mean John O. Smith? Yeah. What did I just say? You, you said Mac Jones again. Oh no, Mac Jones. He did not throw any. Honestly, Mac Jones probably would have had a better chance of catching it himself instead of throwing it to John o. Smith, who had a oh, one John catch Smith. for four yards and six. John o. Smith was abysmal when you notice how bad someone is from the upper decks i'd imagine it's even more noticeable on tv how bad someone played because john smith that had to have been the worst game of his career he didn't he didn't do a single thing right in that game he he could he missed a couple blocks he had several drops and 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 including the one that cost a pick six he should have just been benched in that game and i mean He feels like it, it seems like he has all the athleticism to play the tight end position and all the physical attributes, but really knowing how to play the position, 
I kind of question after these first few games and feels like they overpaid him. I've I've said numerous times already. I I like that they have more weapons and a little bit better ones, but again, how better are they? I mean, Hunter Henry and Jonathan Smith through two games, they've had 183 receiving yards and zero touchdowns through three games combined. That's brutal. yeah. The the return on investment on those guys has been bad. Um, Jonathan Smith, the, the pick six was was pretty awful. Um, and Hunter Henry, he had five catches and six targets, yeah, but they're, only they're a yards. quiet five catches. Yeah. I mean, I Not noticed really... him a little bit more than the first game of the season, but even so, he committed a dumb penalty. Yeah, right, a fourth and four- one. Yeah, it was fourth and one, and it looked like they were going to go for it, and it would have been nice if they were able to and complete a first down and maybe get a touchdown out of it, but then the, the stupid penalty happened, and they went for the field goal. Yeah, um, tough performance on the two tight ends uh so last or two weeks ago nelson aguilar was yeah nelson aguilar was uh, he was visible in the first game but yeah, and but now well, the, this game kendrick warren had a kendrick really warren, big yeah, game uh, came he, down he with was a really definitely, awesome touchdown he, he was one of the very few bright spots in the game yesterday because uh he was probably the only guy on offense that jacoby myers to, yeah but jacoby myers i expect that from because yeah, even though they've been in place for a while, yeah, I mean he's been there. It's his third, third year now, now with yeah. the Patriots, and even though he was undrafted, and even though they picked up four four of these guys at, at big at big money, I actually trust Jacoby Myers more than anyone on that offense. Yeah, and doesn't that kind of hurt to say? Because like you said, Myers oh, undrafted. Those four guys spent all that money, and Myers is still the top guy. It's it's brutal to think about. It's just <laughs> he shouldn't. I love I love Jacoby Myers. I think he's great. I think he's made big improvements from his first year to now. But he shouldn't be your best option. He should be your third best option. Yeah, Matthew Judon on the other side of the ball, has and been he's worth the, the one. Money. He's the one bright spot. He was the other bright spot I was going to mention uh, defensively. He's the one guy that I trust on their defense. I mean, until Gilmore comes back and if he looks good, but uh, defensively they're 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 brutal. Uh, they. They can't stop the run whatsoever. They're they're ranked as the eighth worst uh, rushing defense so far to begin the year. And what's so frustrating about that game was that do you remember when the Patriots played the Titans in the playoff game and Derrick Henry went off and no, I remember, completely forgot about. Yeah, that yeah, just it just wiped out your memory. <laughs> yeah, the Brady's last game. Yeah, you just completely forgot about it. But yeah, yeah, that game. I'm I'm thinking. All right what the game plan should just be take out their best weapon which is Derrick Henry and have the other have the team try to beat you another way with Tannehill uh throwing to the receivers now Tannehill's better better than I give him credit for of course but Derrick Henry's for sure their best option on offense and if you take him out then that could have been a win for the Patriots but then they didn't <laughs> they didn't stop what what the most obvious weapon on their offense was, and I feel like that was the case in this game with Kamara, because with no Michael Thomas and with no Drees throwing the football with Jameis and with how Callaway has started the season, he looked good in the preseason, but in the regular season, he hasn't looked that great uh, for the, fir- the first couple of games. So it's really, all right, we just got to take out Kamara and have Jameis try to beat us with his arm. And then all of a sudden, the, the, the second drive of the game for the Saints third and seven in the red zone and all of a sudden Kamara's a wide open their best player wide open for a touchdown and I knew it was going to be downhill from there 
Yeah, the old Belichick mantra, you know, take out the opposing team's best player. That's been something that would work all the time, but now it's... I mean, do they know <laughs> to take out their best player? <laughs> yeah, he's I a mean, running back. It's not even a receiver. It's a running back. Yeah, and when you look at the Saints, just it's a huge drop-off after Kamara. And um, 24 carries, 89 yards, three catches, 29 yards, a touchdown. Not amazing numbers, but more than enough for the, the Saints to pull out the win. Yeah. So. And I, I, I just hate... Uh, the, the Patriots can't cannot stop the run. And that last drive, the last Saints drive where Taysom scored, they they had thirteen plays and ten of them were running plays and five of them were, I think, to all Taysom runs. So if you can't stop that, I mean, how are you gonna stop these other teams? They their two losses are versus Tua and Jameis, and even though uh, I thought Tua could make a jump this year and you with Jameis, you like him a lot. Uh, those guys aren't still kind of bottom tier quarterbacks and how are they gonna how are they gonna do against guys like tom brady and Dak prescott and and all these other great quarterbacks yeah it's uh not the results that you'd want to see from the patriots defense obviously looked great against zach wilson with him throwing four interceptions but um, the expectation for this patriots team would be that the defense would lead the way and the offense would just need to do enough to win games but um not really seeing that, and especially in this game with the the Saints winning fairly convincingly. Oh, um, yeah, that was... Taysom Hill touchdown, I I don't know if it's been debunked, but I've seen screenshot where it looks like the Patriots only had ten players on defense. Yeah, on the play. I remember that vividly. I remember after that play happened, I told Kenny right after the, right after the touchdown, did you see Winovich just try to get on the field and then all of a sudden run off the field? And I I thought to myself, okay, they're there were already 11 players in the field and he didn't want to be the 12th guy. But then I find out it's because there were 11 players in the field if you included him, but he would have been offsides clearly. So he runs off the field and they only have 10 guys on defense on that play. Yeah. that I mean, that's just like a mistake that you don't expect a Bill Belichick. No. To I, I, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know if that's on Winovich or on the coach coaching staff, but either way, that's a, not a typical mistake you'd see from the Patriots. So, what are your expectations going into Week Four against uh, Brady and the Bucks? Uh, I'd, I'd imagine, I think it'll be closer than people are probably thinking it will be. But I don't love that the Bucks are coming off a loss, so that means it's going to be an angrier Tom Brady and an angrier Bucks team coming into New England. So it could, maybe it'll. I don't. I, there's no doubt in my mind the Bucks will win. I, I, it's just a question of how much will they win by? Because I could see it being a one possession game if Belichick uh, has something up his sleeve and he can limit Brady's Brady's numbers on offense. But I don't know. I, I don't. I wouldn't have any confidence whatsoever in the Patriots winning at all. Yeah, I mean, I I think it'll be a very tall task for this game to even be close let alone a Patriots victory um just you know like you said we'll get into the Bucks game later but um not the showing that you want you know this idea that the Patriots could have been three and oh going into that Bucks game and so they're one and two and have more questions it wasn't it wasn't a stupid thought to begin the year because the, the Miami game that that's an easily winnable game even though I think Miami before the the season started was a playoff team I, I thought that was a winnable game being at home on opening day with first first game without fans in forever and the, the one mistake cost them of course and then the I mean the Jets was a free win yeah. as as usual but then 
this game coming into it, I'm thinking, all right, are we going to see the Saints of a week one where they just dominated, or are we going to, or are we going to see the Saints of a week two where they barely showed up versus Carolina? And I, I mean, the Saints obviously they showed up, but I think it was more of a, the Patriots just just being a complete mess. I, I think they just straight up just handed them that game. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty much over from the start. The, the Patriots are never really in it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the Saints, they weren't as dominant as they were against the Packers, but they certainly looked much more improved, uh, you know, throughout um, on both uh, but sides. Both of the ball. So, just every, everything, offensively, defensively, even special teams, the Patriots weren't even that great. Where Jake Bailey, he kicked the ball out of bounds uh, to cost yeah. him a penalty. Uh-huh. <laughs> Another That's... uncharacteristic mistake uh, that doesn't happen with the Patriots. So, just all around brutal performance. Yeah. And uh you are not the only one who roots for a team that had a very all around brutal performance this weekend because uh the Steelers, after winning week one in Buffalo, had me very excited about the rest of the season and uh, they go out, lose to Vegas, and then even worse, lose at home to the Bengals twenty four to ten. Uh offense just looks like a train wreck and I feel lied to. I feel cheated. I don't, I like, look, Randy Feekner was a horrible offensive coordinator. Anyone who watched the Steelers last season, fan or not, should be able to admit that, especially seeing how the team folded down the stretch. So in my head and in the heads of many, anybody could be an upgrade over him. And here's this idea that Matt Canada is not only be an upgrade, he's going to be a significant upgrade. He's going to find a way to get the most out of Ben Roethlisberger at age 39. And he's going to find a way to get the most out of all these fantastic playmakers on the team. And it's just, it's been brutal to watch. It's been worse than the past couple seasons. Like last year down the stretch or even two years ago when Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges are playing quarterback. I just, I don't understand how it, it seems worse. And I guess the offensive line and when you have five guys playing like you new starters, guys playing different positions and last year, I guess that'll happen, but it's, it's just been awful. And I, I, I feel like I should be embarrassed as an analyst who's talking up the Steelers for the past three weeks only to have them go out and look like this in September. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm not going to take a victory lap There's, there, in terms of the Steelers for being low on. I mean, there are four teams games still left to go. But, yeah, it, well, not a great past couple weeks for them. I, it's it's weird that they won the game that I expected them to lose, but then they lose the games that I thought were winnable I, games. Yeah, and I know I mean, the Raiders I are off to a good start, way. but I thought it, it still kind of surprised me that they lost. And then and those were at home, too. Yeah. Two, win, oh, two winnable games at home. home and then mm-hmm. a, a, a game where they were – uh, underdogs by a, probably a touchdown versus the Bills, and they end up winning that game. Uh, so, kind of a mind-boggling start for the Steelers. But yeah, uh, when it comes to their defense, I mean, not having T.J. Watt is going to hurt. And I know the Bengals aren't great. I I still think they'll finish last. But offensively, of course, Burrow's great, and th- they got weapons on offense that have definitely have some upside. So, I mean, I think defensively they'll they'll be they won't be as Probably as good as last year, but after losing a few guys, especially Bud Dupree, but I think defensively, if they get Watt back, I think they'll still be fine. That, that's the thing. But, like when uh, when the guys are on the field, the defense is great, but you take away a couple of them, and all of a sudden they're doing nothing. Like 
Yeah, the Bengals are a decent offense. Their offensive line is not good, and the oh, Steelers no. didn't have a sack. First time in 75 that, regular yeah, season that, games. That did blow my mind that the Bengals' offensive line actually shut down the, the, the one Steelers. One quarterback pressure the entire game. And yeah, no TJ Watt, no Alex Highsmith. You expect the pass rush to take a drop, but that bad? It's And yeah, like I, I'm the way, fact I'm, that... I'm way more concerned about their offense. For sure. But like, at the same time, like when the defensive guys, like if you're, you're not going to have 11 starters on defense very often. You're going to have guys miss a week or two here and there. All these groin injuries piling up at the same time. Tyson Alulu done for the season. Stephon Tewitt on IR. He might be able to come back this week against Green Bay. I don't know if he will. He barely practiced this off season. So I don't know what to expect out of him. Joe Hayden, Devin Bush, both missed week two. They were back in week three, but Still have only Minka, made so much of a difference. Still have Minka Fitzpatrick. Who... Still have Minka Fitzpatrick, but like, I, I don't know. I'm frustrated by Minka, and I, I get that all the stats he, say that he's a great safety. He was, and... he was. It seemed like a steal when they traded. Uh, no pun intended <laughs> for the Steelers. The, it, it seemed like a great trade when it happened because, I mean, the when they traded him uh, from Miami, he was. Making He's plays a, all over the field. Oh, that so year. many splash plays. Yeah, all the interceptions, fumble recoveries. Like he was the ball kept finding him. He scored multiple touchdowns. And last season he had a pick six at Baker Mayfield, and that's it. And I I know sixteen passes thrown at him only gave up seven completions. They gave him first team All Pro honors. And I don't really know what the stats say in terms of the behind the scenes stuff, how people are viewing him, but. I there were a couple times where it felt like he had an opportunity to make those big plays. Like there was a tip ball that it would have been a tough play, but two years ago I feel like he makes it. This one it falls to the ground, and that was with the Steelers down twenty four to ten with needing some kind of a spark to have any chance. And I, I guess it's it's frustrating to see you know hear all this stuff about Minka, but like it's not things you actually see because I don't know our quarterbacks really just afraid to test him or is he just more fairy tale than you know actual superstar yeah yeah, coming back down to earth i guess yeah but yeah uh, i'm way more concerned about them offensively just because their their old line like i expected was not going to be a great run blocking unit i mean it's so far it's shown with with naji even though naji was great yesterday it was more within the passing game like 14 catches 102 receiving yards but but running the ball 14 carries only 40 yards and that shows you that they can't they can't block whatsoever. And then Ben, yeah, I, I've said numerous times already that I, I don't trust him to stay healthy for all 17 games. And even if he's out there, he he looks done. Yeah, I I I didn't expect him to look as bad as he has this early in the yeah, season. Yeah, that that I would agree with. That I thought he would decline later in the year, but but week week two and week three, that's that's concerning. Even week one, even though they won that game. He didn't look his best, and so no, and I, a lot of it is just he's taking so many hits. Like he, he's playing with a pectoral injury. Like he, the offensive line isn't protecting him. Last year, he was able to get the ball out quick enough to avoid the sacks. This season it hasn't happened at all. There's another thing they hadn't given up a sack in like 23 straight games in the fourth quarter. I think he was sacked twice in the fourth quarter yesterday. Um, yeah, I mean the I. I don't think that there's a singular person or unit or anything to take the blame because there's so much bad about the offense right now. And there's not really a great quick fix. Like if the offensive line were to morph overnight into a great offensive line, then I think the Steelers offense would be 
much more improved, but there's still going to be issues because Ben's still the, a 39 con- year old quarterback. The drops, I think they had 11 drops yesterday. And that's without Deontay. Yeah, right. <laughs> Deontay's a, a guy who an, always drops the ball. I know. Yeah. It's, it's just, it was horrible. Just the, all these like blown plays, like something goes wrong. And, Whenever the team goes up tempo, no huddle offense, that's when they have the most success. The the touchdown drive was 15 plays, 86 yards, just almost every play was just no huddle. Ben gets up to the line, gets it in the hand of his playmakers. He's perfect on the drive. It was Najee Harris, Juju Smith-Schuster. Do you Chase feel like Claypool, that happens? Pat Fryermuth, like, do you feel like that what? happens though a lot when they're down by a lot? I mean, it was seven nothing. Well, in this game, but yeah, even down. You're right. Even down at the end, when they drove all the way down the field um, with a few minutes to go and put themselves in scoring position, that was a lot more of that no huddle up tempo offense. And you're right. That's absolutely the time to do it. And it you wish that the team can run it more often because when they're forced to just go out of a normal slower offense, they just can't do anything. I mean, we saw in that game versus the Browns in the playoffs last year where they were already down 28 to nothing and then they so they had no choice but to go no huddle hurry up offense and yeah they were making a comeback but yeah at the same time I mean you're you're already down by so much much that it's 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 probably already too late yeah and that's the thing about Ben is that you can say oh he played a terrible game like he looks done and then you look at the box score and said oh he threw for 318 passing yards like you know he's and he would have had so many more if you just cut out half those drops his numbers look so much better and the offense looks so much better and uh that's why it's like i think on first take they were saying should the Steelers bench big ben like what's that gonna accomplish yeah that, that's Rudolph not gonna accomplish Haskins anything gonna i would i would anything? still even though i i'm very low on ben i mean i still would rather have him out there than over mason rudolph yeah, I mean, it, it just makes no sense uh, the way that people have, like, especially Steelers fans, so many have just totally turned on this team just based on what they were saying after the win in Buffalo week one. And I don't want to go that far because, like you said, there's still 14 games left. There's still there's still a scenario in which the defense gets healthy and goes back to their elite self and dominates the Bills like they did in week one and that the offensive line gels together and opens up running room for Najee Harris and you know the receivers figure out some of those drop issues and this team gets back into looking like they can at least be a playoff contender but ultimately I think it's just having too much optimism is just going to set me up to be just miserable watching this team I mean I mean I'm (laughs) I'm someone that is probably too contrarian with the Patriots but even I was too high on the Patriots this year even though I had them out of the I actually thought there was actually a chance oh maybe they could have a winning record this year now but uh, that I mean they'd probably be lucky to go eight nine I'm sorry to go off topic but I feel no I I mean I do agree with you that being setting yourself up uh being too optimistic about your team could set yourself up for disappointment yeah, for sure. And, and they I, have a, they have a tough stretch coming up in the next four weeks. They got the Packers on the road, who even they looked they looked terrible week one, but the past couple of weeks they they've looked pretty good. Now one of the game was against the Lions, but and who knows what they'll do in the postseason? But in the regular season, they should still be pretty good. And then after that, they got the Broncos. Yes, the Broncos have played crappy teams, but they are three and zero, and they've got a very good defense. They got the Seahawks who are one and two, but I still think the Seahawks offense especially is lethal. And 
that's a tough game, even at home. And then they got the Browns on the road. So yeah. four, four games that they could easily lose. Oh, I know. It's it's a, the toughest schedule in the league coming into the season. Um, yeah, that and, was that was another reason why. I, I mean, there are many reasons why I was down the series, but that was one of them for sure. Was there they had one of the tougher schedules in the league? Yeah, and losing games at home to the Raiders and Bengals, games that you need to win. And to those make are the games playoffs of that schedule. Those like, are games where, like I said, I thought they'd win. It just sets you back so far. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely not feeling amazing about the immediate future of this team um, because of those defensive injuries and because of just how incompetent the offense looks. But I do want to kind of think of it on the positive side. And I think you can maybe in some ways have uh, some kind of, uh, I don't know, what's the word? Like you, you can relate to it from a Patriots perspective, I guess, just focusing on the Steelers. First off, uh, first and second round picks, Najee Harris and Pat Frymuth look like they're going to be studs whenever if they ever have an offensive line in front of them. Uh, Najee Harris, like you said, the running game didn't really do much. We did 14 catches, 102 yards. Fryermuth had his first career touchdown. Um, feels blasphemous to compare him to Heath Miller, but it's uh, certainly looking like he could be the he's, best. He's looked pretty good. He, he had one preseason game where he had two touchdowns. And, and oh, yeah, he, he looked scored, awesome in that He game. scored the one lone touchdown yesterday. And then, yeah, Najee, yeah, he, he looks like a stud. I mean... I, I hate I hate when teams pick running backs in the first round. I feel like the last ten guys, ten running backs who have been taken in the first round, pretty much all of them haven't worked out except McCaffrey, who of course got hurt this past Thursday. I disagree but, with but, that. Too. But but Najee is, I think, to be determined. But leaning towards he could be uh, he could be a guy who'd make a good impact. But I feel like the rest of the group, it, it's more bad. It's more bad than good. There are a handful of ones that really didn't work Clyde out. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is not working out right now. Yeah, I mean I Sony think it's Michelle. too early to say. Sony Michelle and Rashad Penny, I think, are two. Those, but even yeah. then, like, you know, Sony Michelle did have that playoff run. Like Ezekiel Elliott, is that fair to say? I, I mean, mean yeah, Ezekiel, of the year, Ezekiel he was awesome. looked, looked, like he looked his, awesome his rookie year, but his second contract, like maybe not second, great. Yeah, but in right. terms of the value they got from that rookie deal. Yeah, okay, yeah, so the rookie deal makes sense, but oh, that, that contract looks brutal right now. Yeah, and I guess at that point you can debate whether a running back should be a top 10 pick versus 24th Saquon. Overall, yeah, Saquon, I mean, that's another one where, yeah, you want rookie right, So maybe year, maybe that's going too far, Where, but but I do yeah, I do still I believe that the there's concept. more bad than good. Yeah, I mean, and it, it depends on you know how you want to, where they go is a big aspect as well. ETN getting injured right away. With yep. the Jags, even if he were healthy, would I mean would he have made an impact on the <laughs> I Jags? I doubt Maybe. it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, regardless, I feel very good about the future of Harris and Fryermuth, provided that there's an offensive line at some point to help them. And I do think that, I mean, when you're starting four rookies and two of them are offensive linemen, there's reasons to believe that in a year or two, your offense can be much better, uh, especially with a young quarterback, hopefully a mobile one, uh, someone who's not 39 year old kind of stuck in the pocket or who knows what's going to happen when he's forced outside of it. Um, you know, much more cap space as well at that point. I, I do think that there's reasons to be optimistic moving forward. Um, something you and I can both relate to. Hey, we're not Jets fans. We're not Giants fans. We're not Jaguars fans. We're not even Bears fans. Like, we at least have offenses where we have, like, some level of, okay, this would maybe be okay at some point. And I guess, you know, the Bears, Justin Fields, in theory, will be 
good at some point, but, yeah, but uh, he had, it's not he as... Had, he was so brutal. That... Yeah. I, I think that... I don't know if I remember remember this correctly, but I think the Bears offense averaged the second lowest amount of average amount of yards on offense in, in the history. In his, I don't know if I remember that they correctly, had but something really bad. Yard. They had... Justin Fields had 68 passing yards, 6 for 20, 68 yards. He was sacked nine times for a loss of 67 oh, that's so, yards. That's so brutal. They, yeah, 47 total yards. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess that's a positive. Could be much worse when you look at some of the other teams around the league. Is and, it, it's, uh, it's gross that out of the five guys, who are the quarterbacks that were taking the first round this past year, Mac Jones has looked the best, but... He hasn't looked spectacular, and I mean, yeah, the... I mean, he had his worst game was definitely yesterday. I mean, and he looked, he did look bad, but he did not get a lot of help from his teammates. But regardless, the, none of none it's of them have rough... looked. Yeah, it's been rough well, for the rookie quarterbacks. I mean, so you far. can argue Trey Lance, but yeah, Trey Lance, but <laughs> he's, he has he's not players, ready yeah. apparently. No, so. no, he's not. He hasn't had the opportunities the other guys have had. So. Yeah, I uh, I guess just talking about the Steelers, just wrapping it up, not feeling amazing going forward, but I'm not totally ready to give up on the team, not totally ready to give up on Big Ben, and uh, you know, feeling like the future isn't as bleak, you know, long term as some people want to make him out to be. I I anyway, wouldn't, and and vice versa, where I'm down on the Steelers, I'm I'm not, de- I'm definitely not going to take a victory lap over three games, especially since they won one of them, but. This ne- this next four game stretch is huge. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's kind of talk about some of the other games. Let's talk about Rams box. So the the Rams were one point underdogs at home, but they came out. They won thirty four to twenty four. We're in control most of this one. Uh, Tom Brady four hundred passing yards, zero interceptions. First time in his career that he lost with those stats. Are you concerned at all about? You mean Tampa? three touchdowns? Tom, what? it was thirty-four to twenty-four. It was thirty-four to twenty-four. He threw four hundred yards, zero interceptions. Oh, okay. Oh, four. Okay, I'm, I, I miss, I misheard that. My bad. My apologies. Yeah, first time in his career where he's thrown four hundred yards, zero interceptions, has not scored. Um, is this result concerning at all to you from the Tampa side? Offensively, no. I mean. Brady Brady showed up, but I feel like he was the only guy on the Bucks that really showed up. I mean, it, Evans and Godwin were good, of course, but no Antonio Brown with COVID that definitely hurt them a little. And then Gronk came back down to earth after going off in the first two games. But the the part that I'm concerned about with the Bucks is their secondary. I mean, I don't think the if there's anything that's overrated about the Bucks, it's definitely their secondary. That's the way to beat them for sure, because you're not going to beat them uh, establishing the run against Vita Vea and Adamic and Sue and all these all these studs on their defensive line, Pierre Paul. But it, you're not gonna uh, you're not gonna you're gonna beat them through the air for sure. Yeah, I've thought from the beginning that the Bucks secondary is like the weak spot, and I, I get that the. Uh... You know, they handled Patrick Mahomes. But I think a lot of that was, like you said, the front seven um, really helping him out. And, yeah, I, I do think that is an area maybe for concern. But really, with the Bucks, this was the most losable game on their schedule. Oh, for sure. In week three. I, in, when we did our season preview, and I said I picked the Bucks to repeat, I, I thought there was some chance of them going 20-0. But if they were going to lose any game, it was this one for sure. Even though they were favored, I actually expected the Rams to win this game. The Rams look... 
uh, the Rams are obviously off to a hot start, though. Yeah, and I, I do expect them to fall to somebody again at some point. Um, you know, one or two more losses. Yeah, they, if it gets they beyond got the bills. that, then it's scary. Yeah, I mean, they're they're you know, it's the NFL. It's tough to win every single right. week. But you know, even last year they were seven and five, and then they ran the table. So I'm not gonna overreact to one. They, game and they get off to slow to starts bus. for sure, as yeah. how it's looked the, uh, the last year and seasons. this year. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is more about the Rams and just saying that, yeah, this is a team that can be very dominant. Matthew Stafford, 343 yards, passing four touchdowns. He had a great game. Deshaun Jackson, a huge touchdown catch. You yeah, got he, Cooper Cup he, had two. Yeah, he, Deshaun Jackson had his typical three catch, 120 yeah, yards and a touchdown. Right. Yeah, I know. He's he, always, he almost he, Deshaun Jackson. That I saw that too. too. Yeah. <laughs> he's always due for one of those games. It happens yeah. every year, even though he's in his mid 30s, it feels like. He's still uh, fast. He yeah. still got it. So. Oh yeah, but um, I don't want to take victory laps or throw in the towel on anything on anything I feel like I've gotten right or wrong. But if there's one thing that I want, we should feel right about. It's Stafford and Cooper Cup. Yeah, you totally nailed that prediction. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's and, and, and Steph, Stafford dividends. legitimately could win MVP this year for sure. Oh, easily. I mean, he's the probably the favorite right now. Up. If Mahomes is one and two and Brady just came off a loss. And... Yeah, Josh Allen's two and one. I mean, if you just look at the five teams that are three and zero, oh, he seems like he would be the the favorite yeah. from the quarterback. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, I think that the Rams are in very good shape now. Again, like you pointed out, we'll see what happens come playoff time, especially if these two teams have to play in Tampa, which. Given the Rams playing the NFC West, their schedule is much more difficult. So it seems likely that it at least seems easier for them to lose two games uh, compared to the box one or just, you know, doing the math yeah, that, uh, at that point. So b- both those teams I'd imagine will be the one and two seeds still. I, I, I'm, I'm not concerned that much about the Bucks, at least for now. Yeah, I mean, again, it's week three, but I don't think that a, a loss in yeah, LA they, to the Rams they first lost, ever time for Brady playing in Los Angeles. Yeah, <laughs> that that uh, that was kind of wild here. Such a, just no, be, but like, no, it's not. There's been a team in LA for what four well, years. Well, no, but just thinking about that, like, wow, I, I get it. Yeah, but, but yeah, the Chargers have been in San Diego for most of his time in the league, and then the Rams got there. What a a few years yeah, ago, 20, uh, 20, five years ago, seventeen so? for the Rams. Yeah. twenty or no twenty. 2016 or 17 for the Rams. The Chargers were a year or two later. So yeah, I mean they they just haven't <laughs> had. It's the just crazy to think about. I, I, I know, I, and I, I yeah. get it, but like I feel like people are making a bigger deal about it. Just like this whole idea of oh, Brady's first game in LA. Like yeah, I mean there hasn't been a team in LA for yeah, that. And, long. and the Raiders are were in <laughs> Oakland and Las Vegas. Yep. Yeah, he's played in Vegas before he played in LA. Yeah. So. Um. I guess other games, maybe not as much focus. Although, do you want to talk about the Packers 49ers game in more detail? The big Sunday night game? That was an exciting one. Yeah, I, I did I did catch that game. Even though, of course, I went to the Patriots game and missed most games, I did catch that game. And yeah, the, it was obviously a good win for the Packers. And uh, I mean, yeah, and that last drive was crazy where, I mean, it was expected though with him going to Devontae. He even just said it in the interview. Uh, what was your plan uh, on that drive? Uh, throw it to Devontae. It's <laughs> yeah. so absurd that how, how come these teams can't... I, I know those two are amazing. They have amazing chemistry together on offense, but how how hard is it to just take out... Again, take out the best player and try to force, force uh, 
force the team to beat you another way. It's easier said than done. It's just crazy how strong that connection can be when they get going. Um, but yeah, I mean, 37 seconds is too much time for Aaron Rodgers. And and, and Jimmy could have, he could have snapped it at, he snapped the ball with 12 seconds left on the play clock when, when yeah. they scored. So yeah, it was a great score, but they could have snapped it. He could have snapped it with what twenty five seconds left, and there be so there be twenty something seconds left, and who knows? Maybe that's that's enough difference for uh, them taking a field goal or Rogers throwing another hail mary, which probably would have been completed since it's Rogers. But <laughs> but you know what I mean though. Yeah. Oh, I know. Hey, Kyle Shanahan mismanaging the clock. When has that ever happened? Oh, uh, I a mean, big that, moment? I, I, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, thirty seven seconds, and he had he had two completions in bounds. That's all it took was just throw it up to Devontae Adams deep enough down the field. Oh, all of a sudden, 52-yard field goal. Mason those were, Crosby for the win. Those were crazy good throws by Rodgers. Oh, yeah. And, and no, I mean, they were, they were great crazy plays. Good, but crazy good plays, but at still the same time, shouldn't it happen. Felt, felt like the 49ers defense gave them up a little too easily. Yeah. Um, and that's not something you would necessarily expect out of the 49ers defense. You would think that they'd be one that's uh, you know capable of doing that, but... You know, stopping him and preventing a touchdown to a team with 37 seconds left and no timeouts. But again, Aaron Rodgers, he's he's a special player when he he wants to be, and uh, I guess it's starting to look like that Week One game against the Saints was a fluke. So, I, I still I still have the same exact feelings on the Packers. Even after losing badly to the Saints, and even after winning this game, I still think they'll win double digit games. They'll win the division. But what will happen during the NFC divisional round and NFC championship game if they make it there. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a question for January, but for exactly. now, there's certainly reasons to believe that you know the the Rodgers Packers relationship is strong enough right now. Though I wouldn't mind if uh, he decides to take an off week and when he gets back to Lambeau with uh, the Sealies coming to town. That's a good point. Yeah. Um. So I guess. In terms of the 49ers, how are you feeling about Jimmy Garoppolo as their starting quarterback? I, I mean, he's, he's looked fine, but, but I mean, week one, they faced the Lions. So how seriously can I take that win? And then week two, yes, they won on the road. It was a good road win against the Eagles, but they didn't score a lot of points in that game. And then week three... There were moments, yeah, okay, they scored 28 points, but there were moments in that game, especially in the first half, where it looked kind of shaky to the point where they actually had to bring in Lance uh, on that last play to end the half. And yeah, I feel yeah. like it's, I feel like it's inevitable. I don't know when it'll happen, but I still think it'll it will happen where they put in Lance, especially the way their offenses run. I feel like Lance or or someone a, a mobile quarterback is a better fit in that offense just given how unconventional it is and how how often they run the ball especially with their receivers with Ayuk and Samuel and how often they go on these uh wheel routes there's a lot of motions as well you saw that play with Kyle Juszczyk where he all of a sudden was the quarterback and then he went in for a sneak it's a really unconventional offense that I feel like fits someone like Lance better than Jimmy I don't know if if that's a good mind, if I have a no, good thought I, process I, or not. I think that totally makes sense. Um, I think that Jimmy has done enough to this point to continue being their starting quarterback. Yeah, I but... wouldn't say now, week four, that they should put in Lance, especially if he's not ready. But I, 
but at some when point, Lance is ready, he should be yeah. inserted as a starting quarterback. I I, I kind of mentioned it during our preview episode, but I think that there's a lot of parallels to the Alex Smith, Colin Kaepernick situation. Yeah. Um, you know, a decade ago, and thinking that Lance could be the guy who really puts the 49ers over the top if it comes to that. But, um, you know, they are in the NFC West. It's a very difficult division, and the NFC as a whole is very good. So it might be kind of too little too late for the 49ers if they wait too long and, um, you know, Jimmy doesn't do enough to win games. But all he's done in his career when he's healthy is win. So I think that's, you know, until he starts losing consistently. And this is a game where 49ers very easily could have won. It came down to the game-winning field goal. So yeah, not not pushing the panic button on Jimmy Garoppolo by any means. I don't think anyone should be, um, especially just looking at how the other rookie quarterbacks have fared to start the season. Yeah, I, I w- I wouldn't say push the panic, but panic button yet, but it is concerning that they are in a pretty tough division, arguably the toughest one, uh, especially since the Cardinals are are three and zero. Yeah, along with the Rams. Yeah. Um. So, are you pushing the panic button on the Kansas City Chiefs? One and two. No, after they but lost to the Chargers. but it, no, but it's wild that they are actually not tied with anyone. They're they're alone in last place in the NFC West. That is crazy to think about. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they they've been in first place in the division throughout Patrick Mahomes' reign as a starting quarterback. I think even when he was the backup, they were still in first place in 2017. So it is incredible to see them one and two in sole possession of last place in the AFC West, especially coming off a home loss of the Chargers. Uh, I I don't know that the the Chiefs should be too scared at this point, thinking that things are going to go wrong, but. Uh, it's definitely concerning to see this team, you know, not look as amazing. Def- as they defensively had. is bad. The, yeah, they've given up, the defense is. They've given really up twenty nine, thirty six, and thirty points in their first three games, and I mean their offense is amazing. So because of that, I'm not, again, not pu- pushing the panic button yet. But it is concerning how how badly their defense has started out of the gate. Yeah, and I mean on offense, it's. Uh, where is the secondary help going to come from outside of those primary receivers? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, so Tyreek, he, he he hasn't been great in the past couple games, but he was obviously great in the first game, and Kelsey's been great this entire time. But yeah, Hardman, he finally scored a touchdown, but at the same time, he only had a few catches, and uh, that's not looking like a great pick, especially since they could have had DK Metcalf. I think I think they took Hardman when Metcalf was still on the board. I mean, they took Hardman thinking he would be the replacement for Tyreek Hill. Yeah, just given how fast he is, but he certainly yeah. is nowhere near as good of a receiver. And then Edwards Hilaire, he had that oh, he had that horrible fumble against the Ravens, where that certainly cost them. And yeah, and it's it's not looking great for the Chiefs, but at the same time, they're still the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, it's it's another one where you don't want to react too much after three games, but at the same time, you know, maybe we need to pump the brakes on this idea that the, the Chiefs are the far and away best team in the conference and that they're going to figure everything out and go to the Super Bowl. Like, they, you know, they, they still need to kind of prove it on the field and, um, you know, have those wins. And they, uh, they play the Bills at home in two weeks on Sunday Night Football. Buffalo's looking pretty strong right now um they blew out washington this week and um i think after that first week uh josh allen and the offense figured out a way to wake up and they're they're looking like they're um gonna be another serious threat in this conference yeah i 
I'm curious how that game will go once we get to that point. But at the same time, I, I mean, they okay, they lost to the Steelers, but the the two teams they beat, they beat the Dolphins with Tua getting hurt and Brissett being in there, and then they faced Taylor Heineke, who I who I'm a huge fan. I love Taylor Heineke. I, I like him. He's a lot, such yeah. a legend. But he's but a yeah, fun guy. But they yeah, two games where they faced backup quarterbacks, but but still that. That's defensively, but offensively for Josh Allen, yeah, he looked he was amazing yesterday. And I'm I'm this is kind of off topic, but I'm surprised how bad Washington's defense is. Yeah, their defense has taken a huge step back. I thought they were season. gonna be great this year, and that that was part of my reasoning for them being a playoff team, but wow, they're off to a horrible start defensively. Yeah, forty three points allowed to the Bills after not looking that great um on the defensive side of the ball the first two weeks either. No. So if if they can't turn that around, then I, I really don't like Washington's playoff chances. No, I, so. I, <laughs> I I went from relying on their defense to now relying on the back of quarterback. <laughs> yeah, right. Um I guess one thought on Taylor Heineke. Uh I can't believe Heineken let him fall out of their laps and now he's sponsored by Bud Light. <laughs> wow, that's that's crazy. Yeah. I know. He tried to get a deal done with Heineken. It didn't work out so Bud Light said, All right, we'll take you. That's dumb. That that makes yeah. per- that would make perfect sense. I know. Well he um he became famous from his XFL days when he like double shotgun Bud Light Celsius in the locker room when he was a backup quarterback. I, I remember XFL, that, yeah. So it was kind of fitting that Bud Light picked him up for that reason, but obviously the name Heineken would have worked great. Um, just a couple more thoughts. Field goals. We had an NFL record successful and an NFL record not so successful. I guess Justin Tucker, 66 yards. I mean, it's not shocking at all that he's now the record holder. That was so crazy because so that play happened when the Patriots game ended. And yeah. Kenny and I were were leaving the stadium, and we were waiting for uh, his his family to. They were in the bathroom, and so we were waiting for them. And Kenny had the Ravens in one of his survivor leagues, and he's oh, he's really? looking. Yeah, so he's looking on his phone, and he sees all right, it's, it's seventeen to sixteen, Detroit, and there's only X number of seconds left on the clock, and. Yeah, Detroit 48-yard line. So, oh, they got to throw a Hail Mary. And then all of a sudden, it updates on his phone, 1917 uh, Ravens win. <laughs> yeah. and they, they kicked a field goal from the 48-yard line, and then, it, yeah, it shows Justin Tucker, 66-yard field goal. And then and then when I got home, I saw the replay where yep, it doinked right on the yep. up, top of the uprights and then went in. Oh, my God. Justin Tucker yeah. is a stud. Uh, he's he, he's a, he's got to be a Hall of Fame kicker, right? No, oh, for sure. He's incredible. I mean, he's probably one of the best to ever do it. Um, it was really tough for me to see that play out, uh, you know, right after the Steelers lost. They're like, oh, at least the Ravens are going to lose in a horrible upset to the Lions. There's a part of me that, that's like, about. there's a part of me that thinks, oh, crap, the freaking Ravens. Because I don't like the Ravens either. Yeah. And But seeing that, that's a tip your cab moment where it's. Oh, damn. for sure. Yeah, I mean, well, but at the see... same time, it's the oh, the Lions. Though I know, I know, right? <laughs> did you see um the controversial uh, potential delay of game that didn't get called? No, I did not. So the play clock on TV was sitting at zero for like two seconds before Lamar Jackson snapped the ball and threw it away on the play right before that, and you know they didn't 
call a delay of game. I don't know if the refs missed it. They just weren't fast enough or if the TV clock was way off, but that was very frustrating to see wow. because, you know, from the broadcast perspective, it seemed like there was should have been a delay of game, backs him up five yards. Tucker from 71, certainly not good. Um, you know, even in an indoor stadium, even point. even as good as he is, he's not making a 71 yard field goal. He he doinked it on a 66 yard field goal. So, yeah. Oh yeah. He's not making yeah. it at 71. No, no. He, he needed he needed an extra jump too, or if you saw the replay of it, where it wasn't a typical, a few steps and then kick the ball. It was he he really had to get his entire body and leg to all his energy to get that ball uh to be good from 66 yards. Yeah, I I figured it was only a matter of time before someone broke the 64-yard record, but um, yeah, 66 yards and barely got it in. Like it really makes in a dome. It really makes a question if uh, 70 is actually within really reach anytime soon. It probably would have here, to happen in Denver, right? For sure. Yeah, I would think that'd be the only place it could happen, which is where the the 64 yarder was kicked. So, um, and then yeah, the 68 yard field goal attempt by Matt Prater at the end of the half. Yeah, highlighted the Jaguar season. Yeah, then and then pulls a Alabama Auburn kind of thing where. Yeah. The Jags return it for touch, and then they still lose by double digits. Of course, yeah. I mean, it, the it was it was the the one one nice moment they had going up at the half. Uh, yeah, and of course, Gus Johnson had to be on the call for it. Because <laughs> yeah, he's that, that's how it works. You're not going to have a hundred nine yard missed field goal return with anybody else on the broadcast other than Gus Johnson. <laughs> um, how do you feel about Johnson in in general? As a football, I announcer. get why people don't like him, but but he he gets, and I I semi don't either. Uh, I mean, he he certainly can't have the big games, but he get he get he gets into it. He I think he's too much. Most no, of the I time. I agree like, though. Like, he, it's, there are it's some moments where there's some moments where it's fitting, like that one. But right. there there are plenty of times where like he's just he's just way over the top for me. Yeah, oh, uh, I, I get it. Yeah, I I don't blame people for thinking that whatsoever. Because I because I sort of share the same thoughts. But yeah, but a play like that, it's like oh, Gus Johnson has to be on that call. All right, and one last football thought from this weekend. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has been off to a struggling start to his season, and his alma mater also off to a tough start. Clemson losing to NC State right down the road for me. They have two losses in September. And, Brian, after the loss to Georgia, I said they're still going to make the college football playoff. I'm going to throw it away. They are officially eliminated with two losses. I remember uh, when I was watching SportsCenter and I saw Clemson losing um, that my first, very first thought was, well, Corey probably doesn't have him in the playoff now. (laughs) Two (laughs) losses. Yeah, no, I I am officially eliminating them from the playoffs and I hope that there's not enough madness that they somehow get in, but they've looked so horrible. I mean, they almost lost to Georgia Tech. Their offense is a joke right now. It, It makes no sense to me how it's this bad with a five-star quarterback and DJ Ulugeli. So I've only watched one game of Clemson, and it was the Clemson-Georgia game where there was only one touchdown as a pick six. And their offensive line that in that game got killed by a good defensive line from Georgia, but is how – how do you pronounce his last name? DJ – Ulugeli, I think. I think it's DJ Ulugeli. Ulugeli? Yeah. Is he ready? <laughs> 
He's a sophomore. I mean, I would think so. He he looked solid. He looked really good against Boston College and Notre Dame when Trevor Lawrence had COVID. Okay, so so, so it's it's unfair to look at just the one game I that I think watched. it's on the offensive line. Okay, but yeah, it it makes no sense to me how a school like Clemson can have that bad of an offensive line that their offense is that terrible with other weapons around them. Because the one game where I watched, where of course they only scored three points, I'm thinking to myself, uh, all right, well. It's unfair to compare him to Lawrence because Lawrence was a projected number one overall pick for years whenever he was going to come out. But so to say he was going to be as good as him by any means was unfair to him. But in that one game I watched, he didn't look ready for the moment. And so I guess it's sort of concerning for him. But if it's more on the offensive line, then all right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's what it is. But it, obviously, there's uh, there's a lot of problems with that offense. So. Anyway, that's enough football for this episode. Let's talk a little baseball. And I'm wearing my Red Sox shirt to do this podcast because I said on Friday, um, when I was thinking about wearing it with the Red Sox playing the Yankees, a huge series at Fenway, um, I could have worn it one of the days. I said, no, we're going to talk baseball. We're going to talk about the Red Sox. They're going to win two out of three from this series. They're going to cement their place in the postseason. Um, so I'm going to wear it Monday. And... Uh, you know, one of those things happened. I wore the shirt, but they they did not live up to the the billing this weekend, losing three games to the Yankees. John Carlos Stanton with two huge home runs, a grand slam in Saturday's game to put the Yankees up five to two, and then a two run homer late last Sunday night's game. Making that was six so to three. That was so brutal yesterday, where the uh, Judge was up at the plate, and then. All of a sudden, they get the strikeout, but then catcher drops it, and so it he it doesn't get called a a strikeout. It gets called a foul ball, and then all of a sudden, next pitch, Aaron Judge gets a a two run double. I think it was two run double. Yeah, two run double. And then Stan just hits one all the way to to Mars, and I I don't know yeah. if the ball landed yet or not, but yeah, Stan. Both those guys when they're on, it's it's crazy how good they are of a duo. Yeah, and it, it's frustrating because the Yankees they they were horrible throughout the first half. Oh and yeah, they started I, I, to pick it up at the deadline, and then they won like fourteen in a row, and then they started to suck again. Didn't they like, lose right. seven in a row after they won fourteen? Something like that. Yeah, I mean they 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 were horrible after that fourteen wins. So you're like, okay, they're back down, they're done, and then they they win six in a row with three against the Red Sox. Now they're the the number one wild card. And it wouldn't be good the, if the they get hot week. at the right time again. Now that it's late yeah, September, right. heading into October, I know. So, I uh, I'm I'm not happy about it. Uh, I I hope that the Blue Jays can uh, do what they need to do um, with the Yankees coming up. You mean passing the Red Sox? <laughs> well, that's the thing is like the Red Sox play the Orioles in the National, so I still feel good. Like both of those teams are out of it. Like I think that the Red Sox should be able to win enough games to make the playoffs. I but... also agree with that. You know, even then, the Yankees play the Rays the last three games, and uh, Tampa's most likely going to have the home field advantage throughout the American League playoffs locked up. So there's no, not a ton of incentive for them against uh, New York in that series. So. It's crazy how they're the ones that are on top in this division. I mean, I I thought they'd come back down to earth. I thought cor- they would, and of as course, well. I was wrong about that. But I. No, I never thought they'd be the one that would be in first place, even though they made the World Series last year. Just given how being in a division with the Yankees, Red Sox, and Blue Jays, even though I didn't think the Red Sox would be this good, still 
good division, and they're, they're I mean, the ones on top. All three of those with, teams spent with, a ton of money. Yeah, and with the their payroll, they're, they're the ones. Yeah. Uh, it, it's crazy that they're the ones on top. Yeah, so I guess um, in terms of expectations at this point, I think that the Yankees and the Red Sox are going to end up meeting in the wild card game. Um, and, then, and then Bucky Dent will be signed to a one-day contract. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't feel good about the Red Sox chances after that three-game sweep. And maybe I'll change my tune with wins over Baltimore and Washington. But, you know, is that really the difference maker other than just having some momentum going into that game? I'm curious if they stick with the yellow jerseys because they've been wearing those yellow jerseys for a while now. And I've I thought I feel like part of it was because of their winning streak, but then all of a sudden yeah, they lose to the they, Yankees and yeah, so they stopped wearing them. Yeah, I don't know. Do they wear them on the road, or is it only a home jersey? I think no. I think it's both, but I I could be wrong about that. But I think it was both, just given their streak. But it could it could just be at home though. I could be wrong. Yeah, because if um, I mean, they I guess at that point it would it would matter whether it's a home or away game. That's true. I don't know if it matters with those city connect jerseys, but yeah, I mean the, the yellow Sox were playing great and, uh, the, they came back down to earth on Friday night and, uh, yeah, not a, not a great series for the Red Sox. Um, Yankees are playing really well. Like you said, the Rays, um, and I was wrong by the way, they've only worn them at home. Okay. They have only worn them at home. So yeah, they won't be wearing them in theory against Baltimore or Washington, um, with both those series on the road. So um, I guess, you know, do you want to go bold and say anything different other than a, a New York-Boston? No, I, I I think it'll be New York-Boston, not just because I think they're those two are better than just a little bit than Toronto, but I also feel like wouldn't baseball try to figure out a way to make sure it is those two teams in the one-game playoff, just given the rivalry and how great the um, one-game playoff is? I know, I know it's... I know it's dumb cons- conspiracy theory, I, but I don't think that they need to do a ton. But if Toronto sweeps the Yankees at home, then that would totally change things. Ultimately, even if Toronto takes two out of three, there's still a game back of the Yankees who face Tampa, who the only way that Tampa has any meaning is if they get swept by the Astros and then they need to win just one game in New York or have Houston lose one of their last three um, for them to clinch that number one seed. Mm hmm. Okay, and oh, this is a no, this is a random thought, but you know how last year, when the the, the entire playoffs, but uh, in the World Series they were playing in Texas. Uh, yeah. Would 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 home field advantage matter for October? Is it is it still going to be in the parks in their own parks? Yeah, there's there's still home. They're not they're, they're not going not, back to not Texas. Do a neutral site. No, they're because not there were that. talks of it of yeah, uh, early in they, the year where they would have a World Series neutral site World Series. I remember them talking about it. I I don't think that they. That's not going to happen that okay, again. Okay. No. no. So there would still be home field advantage in the World Series. Um, I, I guess I guess, the reason why I bring that up is because I don't know how much home field adv- advantage matters in baseball when you have something like that. But then last year or the year before, I mean, Nationals and Astros, not a single home. Uh, yeah. Home team. The road won team that, won every the, game. The, the road team won every single game that series. So I. I that's just one thought of does it really matter that much in, ba- in yeah, baseball? Yeah, I mean, I think that was more an exception than mm-hmm. anything else, but um, there is still a possibility of a five-way tie for the two wildcard spots with Oakland and Seattle barely hanging on. They also face each other head-to-head this week. What Are are there tiebreakers uh, 
for so you know how in football they they come up with a tiebreaker where so tiebreakers in baseball if it's to decide if you make the playoffs or you miss the playoffs it's a game okay um and there's a three-way tiebreaker so if it ends up in a three-way tie let's just say oakland seattle one of them eliminates the other and then uh you know they they both find themselves on the outside and a three-way tie somehow with new york boston and toronto um Major League Baseball will designate a Team A, a Team B, and a Team C. Team A hosts Team B, and the winner gets the first wild card, and then the loser plays at Team C for the second wild card. Okay. So the Red Sox have head-to-head with the Yankees and the Blue Jays, so they would get to choose their designation. Most likely Team A. You get the home game, you win, you're the number one wild card, you lose, you still get another chance. And then from there, Toronto has a head-to-head with New York, I think. I think even if they uh, were to get swept, but even at it that sounds point, they'd be out of it. So. It sounds kind of similar to NBA when you take out the tiebreakers, where you know how this what pass... Well, With the play-in? Yeah, sort of like that. It sounds like... Yeah, a- I mean, I, I well, that's only when you get into the multi-team scenario. Right. But then at that point, so that's what Toronto I meant. would it- decide, do they want to be Team B, where you get two games, or they're both on the road, or would you rather be Team C, where it's just one game at home? So yeah. It, but it sound it sounded kind of similar where the yeah I mean to an extent for the play in where, where it's like yeah nine plays y- ten and then yeah. you played seven or eight yeah exactly like, where concept. the Warriors they lost two games uh, to yeah. miss the playoffs where if they could have just won one of them they would be in yeah yeah similar type concept um, to what the play in tournament does mm-hmm. um, but yeah that's not the the American League wild card race is not the only race uh, coming down to the wire really there's two. Others, uh, both division races in the National League. Let's start with the fun one, the NL West, where the uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers and the San Diego Padres, like we said coming into the year, it'd be the two of them head-to-head, 100-game winners. They're going neck-and-neck down to the finish. And one of them ended up being right, but the other one is 20, <laughs> 22 games behind the other one. But yeah. not only that, but it's a different they're 500. team. Yeah, the San Francisco Giants. And uh, they're ahead who- of the Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, nobody expected the Giants uh, outside of the Bay Area to be where they are. And yet, uh, throughout the season, they held on to first place going back to May 31st. And the Dodgers have uh, put up a fight. They've gotten close. I think they've tied them on a couple occasions. But heading into the final week, San Francisco, two-game lead at 102-54. and So, So, I don't know if I've asked you this already or not, or if I... or or not, but... When it comes to these two teams, of course, one of them is going to end up in a wild card game. Do you think yep. it's it's great, or do you think it stinks that one of these teams is going to win over a hundred games and they're going to end up in the wild card game and and actually have a chance of losing and their season comes down to that just that one game? Because I know the Pittsburgh Pirates, your team, yep. one of your teams, yeah, they... they won ninety eight games and they faced mm. the ninety seven win Cubs, if I remember that correctly, yep. and they in lost a wild card game. And yes. so, and it, so it came down. Their great season came down to one game, and they lost. And I've I've said plenty of times in the past that I love the wild, one one game uh, wild card playoff where there's a little bit more urgency to win this elimination game where it's either advance or go home. But at the same time, it's like man, 162 of these 
we had to play just for, to lose this one random game that we played here. Yeah, I don't like a 162 game season coming down to a one game wild card. But in terms of the Dodgers and the Giants, them having the two best records in baseball, and one of them gets a, a division win in a best of five series, the other has to play a wild card. I think that's great for this series. I think it's great for baseball. I think it's great to have the pennant race and the division race mean something because part of the reason why they instituted this was because teams didn't care if they won the division or were the wild card, if they were in the same spot anyway. So now you have that incentive. And I think that this is ultimately what baseball wanted is having a competitive division race where these two teams that are so great, one of them doesn't want, no, neither of them want their season to come down to just one game. I kind of have a similar thought process because in football, there'll be the occasional well, last year, seven and nine, coincidentally, football team. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, go seven and nine. While uh, there'll be wild card teams that'll have a ten and six record, and miss the playoffs. And part of me thinks that man, that that that's kind of brutal. That it, it works that way. But part of me thinks no, winning the division means something. Yeah, it means oh, you get I, a, it means you get a home playoff uh, yep. playoff game to to start the playoffs. So for sure, you, you have to have the division has to mean something. So I part of me thinks it stinks but part of me can see why it's great at the same it's time it's not fair it's it's not a competition it's a game that's what bill james said it, it's a game there's you know if it's a competition like a 100 meter race it, everything would be fair but it's not it's a game things aren't going to be fair and you just gotta make the best of your situation so um, i guess ultimately with the giants holding a two-game lead their last six are against the Diamondbacks, who are who are fifty and one hundred six, yeah, they're year. competing with the Orioles for the number one I'm, overall pick. I'm happy the, with uh, e- even though the the Diamondbacks have been awful this year, I, I am happy that uh, Tory Lovello got a contract extension. I just remember did his, he really, yeah, I didn't see that his short wow. his short stint with uh, yeah, the, re- the reason why I saw Sox. it is because Don Rosillo mentioned it, but okay. uh, I well, yeah, in 2015, yeah, yeah I, managed, I remember his yeah. short stint here. I like I like. Oh, he was awesome. I wanted the Red Sox to keep him and get rid of Farrell, but oh yeah, know, <laughs> for sure, didn't yeah. work even out. Even with the it, one, it, eventually it did. Even with the one World Series that he, uh, John Farrell had, I, I was not a huge fan. Yeah, he fell off very quickly after that first season. Uh, but yeah, the the Giants they play the Diamondbacks and they play the Padres. They were five hundred. Uh, the Dodgers play the. Padres and the Milwaukee Brewers who just clinched the NL Central I don't know if they're gonna have a ton to play for at this point given that they're so far behind yeah I mean they're they're locked into the two seed at this point so um, both have favorable schedules ultimately the Giants have a two-game lead I think they're gonna end up holding off the Dodgers and that's certainly what I'm rooting for because if the Dodgers end up as the outright wild card they're going to face the St. Louis Cardinals, a uh, division rival of the Pirates, who've won 16 games in a row at the time of recording. And I would much rather have Max Scherzer face them in a one-game playoff, just given how dominant he is, and just get the Cardinals out of the picture because I don't want... And I'm tired of the Cardinals just sneaking their way into the playoffs and then going on a deep run in the postseason. I have the, I have the same feelings about both teams, where I, I don't... Where the Dod- the Dodgers, it's just annoying how good they are, uh, and then the results of how good they are. Where okay, they finally won a World Series last year, but it's like, man, they've been underachievers for they yeah. were underachievers for well, a while. I just hate given all their the talent. money that they put into it, and then but... yeah, and then the Cardinals. I agree with you that it's just okay. Yes, it's a great baseball town, but it's, man, it's so annoying how 
they they just sneak in even with me- semi mediocre teams. Yeah, I mean they're, they're two World Series winners from uh you know the past fifteen years. They won eighty three games in two thousand six, and I think they won eighty eight as a wild yeah, card and, in twenty eleven. And, and there's it's kind of a similar thought process with the Giants, where I I, I can't oh, stand I that they won three out of five, even though that they had some studs in their teams like a uh, Bumgarner for sure in that twenty fourteen run. And they were like the fifth best regular team at best. Yeah, it, in any of winning those, those winning three out of five and hearing that oh they're a dynasty. It, 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 yeah, I know not, it didn't feel like it. They missed. They I think they were below five hundred the two years that they didn't win the World Series. So, um, and I guess when it comes to Giants and Dodgers, if these two teams play in the postseason, would you give the edge to? The Dodgers, or do you think that the Giants who do have I th- earned it? Who who do I think will win? Or who yeah, I, say they'd play a best of five I would, series. Who I would still think? lean with the Dodgers, even even though in the playoffs they tend to most of the time they'd blow it, so it wouldn't surprise me. But I I would still lean with their talent over the Giants, even though Giants, of course, have the better record right now. See, I I've accepted that the Giants are a very good baseball team, but I can't fully buy into them as a world series contender yeah I, uh, despite their success and the reason why is because they went two and four this season against pittsburgh pirates they lost <laughs> both series they played two out of three games maybe I it's just, the kryptonite like that's that's how i know them as a, a team that lost to the pirates more than they beat them um so yeah i just can't shake that about the giants but doesn't necessarily mean that they can't take advantage of um you know, actual playoff teams. We I think they have a really strong record against playoff teams. Um, but, and they and yeah. they also acquired Chris Bryant at the deadline. Even even though they, they were, did, but they, even though well, they were in first place, they still feel like they needed to add talent. Unlike the Red Sox, <laughs> the Red Sox. Yeah, yeah. Kyle Schwarber has hit some home runs. Yeah, he's no, come he's on healthy. of late, but he was injured when they traded for yeah, him. Yeah, I know. I know it's off topic, but I I still feel like. The the Red Sox didn't do enough of the deadline while the Yankees did, and the Yankees ever since the deadline they have uh, I think as a thirty seven and nineteen record something like that, and so of course they yeah, were the pretty good. They took advantage of the deadline while the Red Sox didn't, but of course the Giants they were in a similar situation with the Red Sox, like I said before, where they have like the same amount of talent as the Red Sox, but no, they they did need to make a move while the Red Sox. I feel like even though they're still in the hunt, I feel like they still missed out a little yeah i agree with that uh brandon belt is injured for the giants he's been um pretty solid this year so he could be um a potential loss to look out for but yeah i would um, i would still lean with the dodgers though just just given the, just all the, the, the bad seager turner yeah. and then and then that's, max sure is there now uh, to yeah, go with walker uh, bueller that trade was so Clayton crazy Kershaw. yeah i know they're they're a loaded team they're they're built for october success so we'll see if they can put it together um last division race atlanta braves philadelphia phillies they're playing three games in atlanta the braves have a two and a half game lead i said the braves are one of the biggest winners at the deadline they were my preseason world series uh contrarian pick out of the national league yeah and my contrarian pick (laughs) just you know it was looking good at first but just downhill downhill uh, yeah i know things uh Things looked pretty rough for the Braves in the first half, and it looked like their season was over when Ronald Acuna tore his ACL on the, uh, I think, the second to last day of the first half. But they they made moves at the deadline. They traded for four outfielders, and uh, they're they're putting it all together. And I I think that they're gonna finish off the Phillies and um, end up pulling away with this division. It feels weird that Bryce Harper 
is in the MVP conversation when I I feel like I didn't even hear his name for the first half of the year. Yeah, I mean, he's been great in September, and I know his name has been thrown out there for a while, but, I mean, I agree with you. It it doesn't seem like he's... Like, when he won the MVP yeah, when in 2015 he won it, when, with the Nationals, you know, Nationals, he was all over the yeah, place. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel like... I felt like I saw highlights of him or heard his name every like like Otani this year. Yeah, right. I mean, not that, not that I mean apples and oranges <laughs> with their skill sets, but you know what I mean yeah. in terms of publicity. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I, I felt like a Bryce Harper was a much bigger name that year when he won MVP than this year, where I feel like I it's I've just started to hear about his production just this month. Yeah, I know. It's uh it's weird to me that like all of the top MVP candidates in the National League, Harper, Tatis, and Juan Soto are teams that are probably going to miss the playoffs. And it, it, none of the I, playoff teams probably, have guys. That... It's probably because they're the biggest names. I mean, that certainly helps, but I guess that all the teams that are winning, they're not just built around one star. Um, but it, it is kind of crazy that the Giants are playing as well as they have, and they don't have a guy that's in the race. Or like you know, the Dodgers are loaded, but they don't have someone that separated themselves, or even Milwaukee. So right. I mean, since since Yelich hasn't, he has yeah, he's he's been disappointing the past couple seasons yeah, for sure. After his MVP year. All right, I think that's enough baseball talk. Uh, you know, we'll definitely be talking more baseball as the the playoffs start in the next couple weeks. Um, let's talk some golf. Let's talk the Ryder Cup. So that was this weekend, the uh, biannual battle between the U.S. and Europe. This year's edition, uh, a year later because of the COVID-19 pandemic, was held at Whistling Straits near Sheboygan, Wisconsin, and the hosts pulled out a dominating 19-9 victory. And uh, I think the first thing I want to say is I love the Ryder Cup. I think it's such a fun event. Yeah, I I'm, I definitely like it too. I didn't get to catch it uh, some of it this year or this past weekend, especially on Sundays and being at the game. But I like the Ryder Cup. I don't love it as much as the Masters and the Majors, but it is a fun event, especially when it's uh, two two teams going at it. And it's not yeah, just and I, I love it's not like, just individuals, a hundred fifty six of them, and, yeah. but but it, it's just two teams, kind of. Not even just that it's like a team aspect, but I love that you have this. It's like a home game in golf. Like you know, the fans are openly cheering when Europe players have bad shots and miss putts, and, right? You know, break into USA chance. I I just think it's awesome. It's just like a a really cool event for golf, and um, I. I'm glad that it's only every two years because it makes it more special, but I do wish that there was kind of more stuff of that significance um, that you could see throughout the year because I think it's just so fun to watch it. Um, I guess just like, you know, for anyone listening that might not be a huge golf fan, it's a tournament that happens every other year. Uh, hasn't happened since 2018. Again, the, the COVID-19 pandemic pushed it back a year, but it's uh, 12 American golfers going up against 12 European golfers and it's a three-day event with 28 matches. So and again, the groups. Yep. In Friday, Saturday, it's groups. So there's a foursomes match, which is uh, two Americans versus two European players where they rotate shots um, in terms of like the one team. You'll have like Dustin Johnson will take the first shot. Then Colin Morikawa will, will take the second shot and they go head to head with the, the European side doing the same thing. Um, and then in the afternoon, there are four ball matches where all four golfers play their own scores. 
Um, you know, they, they go the whole from start to finish and whichever team has the, the lowest score, they'll get a point for the hole and you just kind of go head to head trying to earn, you know, as many points as you can. So, uh, I guess my first question for you is, do you prefer the foursomes or the four ball match? I like the, uh, the foursomes. I, I like, I like the team aspect of it. Where, yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I remember on Friday and on Friday, I love the the matches or the groups that they had with the U.S. in particular. I actually liked the U.S. a lot coming into it, just given the teams where you had Spieth and JT, and they've been best friends for since they were kids. And then you had Xander and Cantlay, and they become best friends over the past couple of seasons. And uh, I loved when... Morikawa and DJ, they were a group, and that made a lot of sense just given DJ's length off the tee and Morikawa's elite iron game. And so, uh, I actually I like that I like that aspect more. Yeah, I like the uh, the foursome as like a fan. I think it's more entertaining. It goes a little faster because it is only you know two balls instead of four. Right. But I feel like if I was an actual golfer, I would prefer the four ball where it's yeah, like, okay, that, I'm going to do my own thing. That actually makes a lot of sense. Guy yeah, as a me. fan watching it, I would rather have the foursomes, but I think I think your opinion makes perfect sense. Yeah, and then Sunday you just end up with 12 head-to-head singles matches. Right. And I think it's fitting that Colin Morikawa secured the winning half point to give uh, the U.S. 14 and a half because he's the young guy, he's the star, he's yeah. kind of like the, the that, next, uh, you know, the future of America. That wasn't. That's another reason why I actually like the U.S. a lot coming in, not just because of the groups that were paired together and the chemistry of the groups, but also the new blood on the U.S. side, you just, like you said, Morikawa, he never in the Ryder Cup, but he's been incredible these past couple of seasons where he already has two majors. And then Bryson, it, he he's already been in a Ryder Cup, but his, his, his first Ryder Cup appearance, he didn't even look nearly the same as he does now where he's putting all this muscle in. And then Brooks, he, he always, he, he's someone that he doesn't show up whatsoever in terms of the events that aren't important but when it comes to majors and the Ryder Cup and the biggest events he's 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 gonna show up uh every yeah, single he, time he and was strong this weekend so I I actually th- there was a lot uh going well for the U.S. coming into it and then also just being on home soil for sure as well yeah I think it makes a huge difference it seems like the um the host has a huge advantage just given the crowd being yeah. into it. Um, you know, it, it definitely helps. The, the, and it's all it's all about the crowd, though, for sure. And, and I was I was amazed that last year it it took them as long as it did to to get it postponed. Just given that the Ryder Cup is that's really an event for the fans, and there oh, was no vaccine, it would not be the that. same. So yeah. it would it would have, it wouldn't have been the same whatsoever without fans. Like, what what would the point been? Right. I know. It, it's incredible, like, the aspect fans add to it. Like, I, on Friday, I was watching, and uh, Victor Hovland, he had a shot out of the sand. It, it, it was a tough shot, and it wasn't even, like, a bad 
shot. It just it ended up close, but not close enough to the hole. So the whole crowd just starts cheering, and then he ends up missing the putt, and they all break into USA chance. It, it was just or not Hovland. It's whoever his uh, teammate was. I, I think it was Paul Casey misses. It was putt Paul and, Casey. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just it's it's an incredible atmosphere. Just thinking about that in golf, and yeah, you have the etiquette. Like you're not talking or yelling during backswings usually, but it is uh it is pretty cool how the the crowd gets into it, and then the players too. Like Shane Lowry on Friday was paired up with Roy McIlroy as he's being announced Shane Lowry he's just like tipping his cap he's like trying to like rile up the crowd he's he's loving he's, it just he, getting into he's it. always been a guy really like cool. that he's perfect for that kind of uh event I went when he won the open a couple years ago oh man he he went off uh in the in his open championship celebration with with how yeah. much uh, he drank. <laughs> yeah, but, and I, I know the Americans definitely treated the Ryder Cup the same way. Dustin Johnson was like, I think someone asked him, like, do you feel like you can uh, keep up with the younger guys? He's like, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you see Spieth's shot uh, from... Yeah. The, he, oh, trying to go uphill? Yeah. That was incredible. And then, and then he had to run down. I thought he was going to run into the ocean. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, it was a lake. lake or Michigan, lake, that's what lake. I meant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was incredible. It didn't count, didn't mean anything because uh, you know, he ended up losing the the hole in the match anyway, yeah. but it was it was still an incredible, an incredible shot. shot. Yeah, just uh, And and I, then and then I've had those shots before where I'm trying to go uphill and it it never works out like that. And yeah. I I don't understand how people can do it and make it look as easy as he did. And and then Bryson uh day 1, he had he had that 400 plus yard 17 tee, yeah tee shot. yeah it was incredible huge huge uh, uh drive for him yeah. you know one of the the rare times that i'll i'll root for Bryce <laughs> yeah. <and the> <laughs> <laughs> when when they showed the u.s celebrating the win when i saw the picture uh-huh. it didn't surprise me whatsoever that bryson was all the way on one side and then the brooks was all the way on the, on the other. other well brooks was uh he I don't know if he posted photos or if he just like responded to them, but there was a tweet um of like him and uh, Bryson, you know, I, celebrating I, and stuff. Yeah. And he, I think he he just like responded like, Yeah, yep, we're teammates. So Yeah. I, I saw I saw one video where they talked to each other for about a minute or so and then when Brooks walked away, the fans started cheering and then Bryson looked at the crowd, giving him a, a, a smile and a nod, which was yeah. really funny. That, and, and both of them had talked about how, yeah, we, we've, we've actually have uh, talked a few times at dinners and whatever, and th- and that they were able to put off their rivalry to the side for this event, just given how important it was. Yeah, which is, I mean, that's hugely important. Which makes all the sense in the world, yeah. <laughs> you know, if your your team has issues uh, within, it's part it's part of me wanted to see the results. Part of me wanted to see them uh, uh, together. paired together. Yeah, but yeah, but at the I, same don't, time, I don't think they would go that far. Yeah, but. at the same time, if if one of them missed, they they just start arguing with each other. So oh, I know. So yeah, it's could, probably a good thing they didn't do them. that. Yeah. Um. All right, so I think that's uh that's enough Ryder Cup talk. We'll we'll uh, talk more golf as appropriate. Probably not a ton until the Masters in April. Yeah. Um, uh, what, wait, one question though. W- would you rather go to a Ryder Cup or the Masters? Oh, I don't know why I thought you were gonna say Ryder Cup or Waste Management Open. Um, <laughs> I think I personally well because like, well, like the seventeenth hole is great stuff. actually. Now that I think about it, yeah. I I thought from the crowd. I think I would rather go to the Ryder Cup. Just like obviously the Masters is cool. Like it would it would be great to be there. But I think that being a fan at the Ryder Cup would be so much fun. Yeah, I 
I don't blame you for thinking that. I guess it depends what master. I mean, you don't you don't know which masters you're you're gonna get. Where if it were the tiger one, I'd rather go to the masters. Oh yeah, I mean that would be awesome to be there. But but, but if it were the past couple ones, well the well one yeah. of them had co- was the COVID one, so that doesn't yeah, but count. I mean, if you're but, a fan of but, Dustin Johnson yeah, running away with yeah, it, it's not as exciting. Yeah, but. So it depends depends which masters I guess you you get where I would pick one or the other. Yeah, I think it's in New York in 2025. Um so I guess I the Ryder Cup makes sense because that, the but... crowd is always into it. Oh, I know. It's it's especially insane. if they win. So Yep. Yep. And hey, Europe, the the crowd there is going to be the the same way in 2023. Yeah. All right. Uh let's Let's move on, get ready to wrap up the show with our top five. And we mentioned at the beginning of the show, you and I are about to go to Las Vegas for the weekend. So we decided let's uh, let's kind of get ready for it by counting down our favorite movies set in Vegas in this week's top five. Not two, not three, not four. Top five, top five, top five. So uh, before we get started... Uh, is this your first time going to Vegas? So no, this is my second time. But your but first the, time the, since turning twenty-one. Yeah, the first time I went, the only time I've gone, I was six years old, and I had a fever. Oh wow! Oh so, no! So the combination of being as old as I was and not in the best health, it, yeah, it, it was not a good time <laughs> at all. Yeah, that doesn't sound very fun. Yeah, I think this is my sixth or seventh time going now. Um, my first time I was 20, I've been 21 ever since. So I'm very excited. I think it's gonna be a good time. And, uh, you know, talking about Vegas movies just makes me even more excited to get out there. So Brian, why don't you get started with your number five? All right. So for my number five, this is the one movie where I will admit it's not really about Vegas, but it is a movie that does, uh, take place in Vegas. And it's a movie that I've, enjoyed the multiple times i've watched it and the movie is called pay it forward uh it's a movie about a social studies teacher who is played by kevin spacey uh he gives an assignment to his uh, junior high school class uh to come up with an idea that will change the world for the better and uh the kid in the movie he comes up with the idea to pay it forward which he helps three people uh, with an act of kindness and then those three people will help three more other people and it was it's a terrific movie that i would recommend and it it's a very heartwarming movie it's not really a, a vegas rager <laughs> movie whatsoever <laughs> no, not at all but but it does take place in vegas and the mom in the movie is a stripper and a blackjack dealer uh in the movie so even though it's not really about vegas it is a great movie that i would recommend so that's why it's number five. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed uh, the movie when I watched it I, in seventh grade. Yeah, so I think. it was the first time I watched it. It was in middle school, in school. Yeah. Uh, they just, I think it was English. I don't, I don't remember what teacher. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure maybe, I watched it in English Yeah, class, English so. or history class, probably yep. English, where we decided to watch that movie. And, and then yeah, I, I, I mean, watched it another time in, in high school. It's a good in-school movie for sure, uh, you know, for teachers to show their kids in middle school and try to give them a positive, you know, way of thinking in life right. and, uh, you know, try to teach that concept. Um, 
the first time I saw it, the ending was already spoiled for me two years before by my fifth grade teacher. That sucks. Um, yeah, right? So it was like I knew the whole time what happened in the end, so I, I wasn't surprised at all. I don't know if I would have changed anything. I, I considered putting this movie, but it, it realistically, it, it was never all that close for me. Um, certainly a movie where being in Vegas is a, it, it plays a role, yeah. you know, her, her being a, you know, stripper and a blackjack dealer, but it's only so significant, especially compared to the other movies on our list. Right. So I'll, um, I'll go ahead with my number five and that is a movie. Now you see me, which is only minimally, minimally taking place in Las Vegas. So this is a movie, um, it's about a group of magicians called the four horsemen who are brought together to uh, put on these grand magic tricks that are really a heist. Um, And the, so it's um, Jesse Eisenberg, Woody Harrelson, Dave Franco, and Isla Fisher are the four horsemen magicians. And the first heist they do takes place at the MGM grand in Las Vegas, the hotel we're staying at where they, have a random member from the audience get pulled on stage and they rob his bank in France. And uh, it's it's a fun movie, has a great cast in addition to those four, Mark Ruffalo, um, Morgan Freeman. I can't think of his name. He's Alfred. Uh, he plays Hannibal Lecter. What's the actor? Uh, Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins is also in it. So yeah, it's a great cast. Um, you know, Las Vegas is only a minor part of the movie, but it is that first big magic scene. I think it's a super entertaining movie right up until the ending as a twist ending. One of the, the worst twist endings and really endings at all of any movie that I've seen and actually enjoyed. So definitely bumps it down. Could have maybe even been higher. And I'm sure a lot of people, it to- totally turns them off. But I think that the rest of the, the movie is entertaining enough for it to come in at my number five. That's a good choice. And so for my number four, I went with the movie called 21. And it's a movie about a group of students from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, that take their ability to count cards in Las Vegas. And it stars Jim Sturgis and Kevin Spacey, again, coincidentally. And Jim Sturgis' character, Ben Campbell, he's uh, a brilliant student who who needs some cash to pay his tuition bills because he wants to go to medical school and he has, he impresses uh, Kevin Spacey's character. Who's a professor in the movie during a math uh, problem. And he decides to recommend him to joining him in his group in Las Vegas to count cards and blackjack. And it's definitely a, a very thrilling movie. Uh, for sure, and it does involve Las Vegas and actual stuff to do in Las Vegas, unlike the last movie choice I had. Uh, so it's definitely a good movie. Back to back movies with uh Kevin Spacey, who's not probably not a great person in real men. life, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> he's had some coming out hot with those. <laughs> yeah, but he's he's um, had some good uh, acting jobs though. Yeah, no, I I. I've definitely seen at least some of 21. I don't know if I've seen the whole movie. I do remember like liking it and I know that it is a a pretty well acclaimed movie. Uh, But you know, like I said, I I don't remember it enough to put it in my top five, but that's okay. We have other Vegas movies to talk about. Uh, Like my number four, one of the quintessential Vegas movies, Ocean's 11. It's 
not the best Vegas movie. It's not the best casino movie. It's not the best heist movie, but it is one of the best of all three of those. That's why it comes into my, my top five here at number four. So Danny Ocean comes up with this big plot to rob casinos in Las Vegas and gets 10 of his buddies to join in on him, hence Ocean's Eleven. It's a star-studded cast, George Clooney in the title role, Brad Pitt, Matt Damon, Casey Affleck, Don Cheadle, Bernie Mac, lot, Julia Roberts. A lot, uh, lot of great names. Uh, My guy Topher movie. Grace from that 70s show has a cameo in it. <laughs> yeah, so. I remember that part. I, I yeah. lo- this is kind of off topic, but I remember I loved in how in Ocean's Twelve they were saying, "Hey, you know your wife looks a lot like Julia Roberts." And <laughs> it yeah. actually is Julia Roberts, but they're uh-huh. pretending that, of course, she's playing a different character, which, someone else. Yeah, yeah. I-, I love that as well. Um, so yeah, it's not only is it a great choice, it's also on my list as well. It's number three on my list. Ocean's Eleven. I'm I'm not going to repeat everything you just said. It it's a great movie, of course. Getting with with uh, George Clooney starring in it and ten of his buddies trying to rob a casino and how thrilling would it be to do that and not get caught? How oh, how great! Know, obviously, right? I'm not saying we gotta do that, of course, but man, how how awesome <laughs> would it be to pull something like that off and get away with it? Uh, yeah. No, I I love heist movies and I I I love Vegas, so it's just like a great the combination, combination of a Vegas and a heist movie uh, makes it just makes it that much better. Um, so one question I have for you: Have you seen the original 1960 so, Ocean's Eleven? No, I have not. I didn't even I, know about it until today, where I was like, "Oh really? wow, there was a there was an Ocean's Eleven movie in 1960." I had no idea. Like, yeah, yeah, the Rat Pack, Frank Sinatra, uh, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr. So everything that I've heard about it is that it is not a good movie. That basically it just relies on the three of them being buddies, and they're just kind of filming on off days you know when they're not doing their performances in vegas so it's it's not great and that the the remake is like infinitely better so yeah i don't i don't i don't even want to watch it then if that's the case yeah i mean i i probably won't ever check it out but i was just curious if you'd seen it um so moving forward my number three swingers so like now you see me only a minor part of the movie takes place in vegas but it is one of the opening scenes um so this is a movie that uh written and starring john favreau along with vince vaughn it was a movie that really helped them burst onto the scene and become the the hollywood uh duo that they are today with John Favreau being a a great screenwriter, Vince Vaughn being a acclaimed actor. So this uh, takes place in the 90s when it was made, 1996, during the Swing Revival, hence the Swinger's name. Um, And John Favreau's character, Mike Peters, is a struggling actor who just moved to Los Angeles from New York six months prior. Um, His girlfriend broke up with him. He's upset about her. So Vince Vaughn, his friend Trent, takes him to Vegas, try to get him back out on the social scene. And, you know, they hit the blackjack table. They don't have an amazing time. They end up meeting waitresses. Vince Vaughn's character has a lot of fun with his, while John Favreau's character just basically uses her at event about his ex-girlfriend. So it uh, it plays a, a big part in kind of establishing the two characters. It's a, a really... Like you know, it, it it's a smaller part of the movie, but it is still significant, and you'll definitely that's, see swingers that, on you know 
best Vegas movies. That sounds list. like something I, I I've never seen it, but that sounds like something I would enjoy a lot. I watched it for the first time in December. My parents loved the movie. Like I, they had it on DVD, so I'd always known about it, but I, I didn't know anything about, like what it was actually about until recently. And yeah, I, uh, I finally watched it, and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great movie, and I, I do think you would like it. All right, so for my number two, this is kind of another one like Pay It Forward, where it's I, I just like it because it's a great movie. But there are there is. Uh, several scenes. Uh, there are enough like, scenes where it's like a couple I have yeah. where it's Vegas. Is it's not a cross country trip, but there are scenes in Vegas, and the movie is Rain Man. It stars Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman. This is another movie where two characters have terrific chemistry in the movie, and Tom Cruise's character Charlie Babbitt. He learns that his father dies, and he discovers that his art- autistic older brother. Uh, Raymond, who was played by Dustin Hoffman, uh, their father's entire three million fortune is being left to uh, the mental in- mental institution that Raymond lives in, and Charlie decides that he, because of his motivation for his father's money, he decides to check check Raymond out of the institution and go on a cross country trip. And throughout the trip, it they develop a great bond with each other even though Dustin Hoffman's character Raymond uh or Rain Man that he ends up finding out uh they end up developing a great bond with each other and to the point where they go to Vegas and he teaches uh Raymond to count cards after finding out how brilliant of a mind he has even though he's autistic where he can there was one scene where the uh, toothpicks dropped on the ground and he counted how many toothpicks were on the ground it was 246 and yeah and just like a couple of seconds yeah and, and and yeah in a matter of seconds where and then he found out he can count cards by uh figuring out when they were at the diner with the looking at the radio uh or i think not radio but the music player and he could figure out yeah. which he could figure out which songs uh uh, which ones were on which number and letter, and and so he brings them to Vegas for to count cards. But they develop a great bond uh, wherever they wherever they went, and it's a great movie. Yeah, so I actually watched this movie for, for the first time last night. Last I, night, um, wow! Last night, yeah, I watched it um, to see you know if it would make my list, and I guess ultimately I left it off because I knew it would be on yours, and I didn't love it like i i had it mm-hmm. as my top my number five or initially but i was like no I, I don't know and i think i think part of it i'll admit was i was like half watching the movie half paying attention to the red sox game and the sunday night football game so maybe i wasn't totally focused on it and i didn't give it a fair chance but uh yeah i mean to me it it's a, a very good movie um it just it, it hasn't cracked my top five yet. Maybe if I watch it in a couple of years, I'll totally change my mind. But I think also the fact that Vegas, you know, it is a, a big, it's a significant part of the movie, but it's only, I don't know, 45 minutes left when they get to Vegas yeah. um, in a two hour plus movie. Um, I think that's another reason where I felt okay to leave it off because it's not only Vegas. So um, my number two is a movie that is only Vegas. You know, one of the, Movies that comes to mind for a lot of people, I'm sure, when they think Vegas films, and that is Casino, 1995 film starring Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, a Martin Scorsese film. I think it's the eighth film that Scorsese and De Niro do together. 
which includes Goodfellas, um, also featuring Pesci. That was five years prior. Overall, Casino doesn't quite live up to Goodfellas in terms of like the whole, you know, mobster organized crime type movies with uh, that trio, but it's not that far behind. I watched Casino for the first time last summer and I watched Goodfellas as well just a couple months prior. I loved both of them and uh, to me, Casino absolutely had to be on this list. Uh, De Niro playing Sam Ace Rothstein who uh, oversees the day-to-day operations of the fictional Tangiers Casino on the Las Vegas Strip. There's a lot of a uh, lot of violence in this one. A lot of like cool stuff with uh you know how like the Vegas casinos used to be ran in the the late 70s, early 80s before all the corporations took over. So highly recommend this movie. Um, Sharon Stone plays um, Ace's uh, wife in it. She won a Golden Globe for her role as Ginger McKenna. Also nominated for uh, the Oscar for Best Actress. Just all around great movie. So. Had to be included in my my list. Comes in at number two. And realistically, this is the best movie on my top five. It probably should be number one, but we're saying favorite movies. And why not just throw out our number one at the same time? One, two, three. The The Hangover. Hangover. Part three. I I, I did not like that movie. The third one was terrible. Yeah, the the I was the second the as... second the second one I liked the second one. It was it was good. It was, uh, but it the first one is far and away the best yeah. of this trilogy. To me it is it's not just like, you know, the number one Vegas movie, but I think it's a top 5 comedy of the 2000s where there were so many great ones that came out. Um this is a movie that I'm going to watch tomorrow night uh you know before my flight Wednesday morning. It's I just I love watching it before going to Vegas. Just a funny movie. I love the chemistry of the the characters, particularly the, the three main ones right. with uh you know uh Bradley Cooper, Zach Galifianakis, Zach Galifianakis and Ed Helms. Yep. Yeah, for so. sure. It su- it sucks that uh Justin Barthes' character Doug is I know, he's like barely in it. Yeah, but He's still he's still a good character as well. Yeah, I love the I love the bond between all four of those guys and yeah, it if you haven't seen it, I mean, come on, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a hilarious movie. Even though it I might be that... a little overrated, I actually still agree with I, you. That I don't it's, think it's overrated. You think it's properly rated? I think if anything it's underrated because of the sequels that people kind of forget just how amazing that first movie was. That's a good point. Yeah, because the sequels the second one I did like, even though it's basically the same movie in a different country, it's I still liked it. And there are definitely some scenes that catch you off guard for sure in the second yeah. one. But the oh, third no. one, oh my God, the third one was so brutal. But hey, we're not talking about part two and part three. Yeah, we're talking about one, the, the but, first one. Yeah, part one though yep. is is definitely the best. I, I loved the, I, yeah, I loved, I loved the entire movie and, and, there was actually a Rain Man kind of scene in the movie where they yeah, needed with, to. Yeah, uh, with Alan. Alan, uh, and th- counting he, he cards. decided to, he was the one to get the money back uh, in Blackjack. And they're going down the elevator, and it's just like Rain Man uh, and, and Tom Cruise when they're going down the elevator. Yeah, they uh, they definitely make note of uh, Rain Man during that scene. So. I, I, loved, uh, I loved how Stu and Alan, they're. When in the beginning of the movie, Stu just straight up hates Alan, or he he just thinks he's like yeah, is he I mean, is he fully there? Of course, uh-huh. of course, everyone would think that. Like, is is he fully there or not? And then 
throughout the movie, yeah, he, of course, hates him, especially when he finds out that uh, <laughs> Stu got roofied by him. And, <laughs> but then throughout the movie, when after, especially after Alan gets the 80 grand back in Blackjack, Stu just like, we're back, man. And then he get, he high fives Alan and, and then at the, and at the wedding, oh, I love that. Love, oh, love that that's, scene. Yeah, when his, that's a when great his, ending when to his, the movie. I mean, you you know an actress is good when you hate them, and I hated yep. her yep. his uh, his girlfriend in that movie. And when she's fiance, when she, or yeah, fiance, right in the uh, during the time. And when she's first of all, why is she not at the wedding <laughs> when that happens? What do you mean? You know how like Stu is at the wedding. No, and and yeah, he's well, all dressed up, she but was... she she's not she's not in a dress. She's just she just randomly shows up. It's it's it, was she even invited? Stu's Stu's fiance. I guess I'm mis I guess I'm misremembering it. I thought that like I didn't they didn't show the actual ceremony. They just go to the reception. I thought that she was like a guest there. Yeah, I, I don't I don't him, recall her being there. She, I just recall her just showing yeah. up and then running into Stu. Like, why haven't you texted me? But yeah, I love when he just goes off at at her. Yeah. And. And and yeah, and, and I I love the look on Phil's face as as Stu is yelling yeah. at her too. I know I just described the ending of the movie, but but, <laughs> but I love that scene. I assume most people have seen this movie. Phil, that Phil just have gives any that attention of look. The look it. on Phil's face, he's so proud of Stu in that moment, yeah. uh, especially just given how much Phil hated her as well. Yeah, fantastic movie, fantastic comedy. Um, you know, can. Can't say I can't describe the entire movie. I I just described the yep. last ten minutes though. <laughs> yep. No, it's it's hilarious for sure. All right, that'll wrap up this episode. Um, you know, Brian, I'll see you in Vegas. We'll talk to our listeners sometime after that. We'll see if uh you know we can churn out a podcast right after, or if we'll need to take a week break after our nearly week there. But definitely looking forward to it. Definitely looking forward to talking more sports again whenever we get back. So for Brian Wells, I'm Corey Novotny. Thanks, everyone.